This is Hawaii Rising, a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund. I'm Suyuno Amos. I'm Kenji Cataldo. Over the next weeks, we'll be sharing follow-up conversations with some of our returning grantees from last year. Today, we're kicking off with Kea Hawaii. Kea Hawaii is an interscholastic student council composed of elected representatives from 17 Hawaiian-focused charter schools. Last year, we spoke with Kumu Trevor Atkins and students Hema Watson and Anuhe McDougall about the Hawaiian Kingdom Weekly, a student-produced newscast. You can find that conversation as episode eight in our feed. Today, we're speaking with Kumu Trevor and Hema again, along with Leinani, to hear about Ke'ea Hawaii's initiatives to bring together charter school students from across the Pai'aina. After a two-year COVID break, Ke'ea has relaunched their transformative five-day immersive summer and winter camps for the newly elected AHA, or Student Council. Here's our conversation with Trevor, Hema, and Leinani from last September. Awesome. Okay, so today we are talking about Ke'ea Hawaii and we're speaking with Hema and Leinani and Trevor. Um, could you each just introduce yourselves and then like give us a little, um, I guess we have a little background on Ke'ea Hawaii already, but give us a little brief update on where things are at for, for you right now. Hi, so um, my name is Hema, Hema Watson. Uh, I go to Halakumana uh, Charter School. Um, I'm from Kulio'o, but I live in Kaimuki, um, part of Kea Hawaii uh, Council right now. Um, we're gearing up for um, our marches and our makahiki, and um, currently everything's going really good for me. Aloha. Ovono um, Elenani. I go to Kawaikini Public Charter School, and um, I come from Lihue Kauai. Everything seems to be going good. We're planning our Eoliliu right now in our school. So, yeah. Hello, Maikako. I'm Trevor Atkins, uh, an advisor for Ke'e Hawaii. And uh, in 2020, Ke'e Hawaii was actually camping out during the announcement that uh, everything was about to get shut down. And we went into hibernation for a couple of years. And we just came out of it this summer. Uh, we had 10 of our 17 Hawaiian-focused charter schools jumped back in, uh, and we, we hosted everybody here in Hilo uh, in July of this year. So we're just, just getting everything going again. And just in case our listeners uh, haven't had a chance to listen to our first episode, which was focused more on the Hawaiian Kingdom Weekly, could you just give an overview of um, what Ke'ea Hawaii is and its goal um, in bringing together um, the, the charter schools across the Pai'aina. Okay, uh, so Kea Hawaii is a student-wide uh, and charter, a Hawaiian-focused charter school-wide uh, student council. Um, and it's meant to direct the student body and the schools. Um, or one, it's meant to help the Kea Hawaii representatives grow themselves uh, to become leaders in the communities. And two, it's meant to help grow the schools in unified action. So... Uh, when it comes down to like conferences put together with each other, showcases of, of each other's schools, meetups, um, how we work with each other. Um, that's the purpose of Hawaii as a student council. Yeah. So, um, Trevor, if you could uh, tell us a little bit more about um, 
the programming that you had going in 2020, like what that means that things are starting to happen again? The hallmark of our program has really been uh, our five-day camps. We do one in July and one in January uh, where students come together physically by airplane, either on Kauai or Ahu or Hawaii, where most of our charter schools are located. Uh, and we do some leadership training, facilitative management, uh, decision-making processes, uh, kind of how to help your school student council function how to create a student council, uh, and then also brainstorming and deciding what projects we want to do together that year uh, as schools. Uh, one of our perennial favorites is a conference, which we've um, been participating in Kualoa Conference over the past eight years or so, uh, where we, we student plan what the conference looks like and who presents and what we learn about and where it is and how it feels and smells and tastes. Um, we also have always, from the beginning, focused on makahiki uh, as a, a, a time for schools to come together. And we were able to get an O'ahu makahiki celebration and competition off the ground a few years back, kind of right before the pandemic. Um, we're working on trying to get Kauai off the ground and continuing to support uh, Mea makahiki on the Big Island, uh, which came out of Kaamolaka'i uh, Makahiki. Uh, and so we're kind of, you know, trying to follow the genealogy of, of these interscholastic and community type events. Uh, so those are kind of the, the main things that we do every year. And then when uh, political action, direct action pops up, uh, when testimony is needed, when uh, we have an opportunity to meet with a public official or travel to another country, uh, we usually say yes. So, um, Leinani and Hema, if you both could share like why you were interested in participating in Ke'ea Hawaii and, you know, what's interesting about it to you? Um, I can answer this one. Um, I was interested because I felt like I could improve on my leadership and take leadership to help my school. Um, and also, help other schools because I know that how it feels to want our school to have help. Um, and yeah, just to be able to take the role of alaka'i and um, kokua each other. And for me, I think um, it all started when that, that first, that first time I ran Kuchaba, it all started then. When I ran against uh, the Abads and Ella and all of them, and I had that amazing speech, it was so good. And then they picked her because she was a senior. I was like, "Ah, oh, damn it!" Okay. Um, and I think it was because I started to get more into politics and more into activism that I started to think more uh, inclusively of where I could be and how I could participate in my school. Um, and I think Kaya was the way to go. I think I had a lot of uh, ideas of what it could be and what what it was but going into it it really is more of a personal journey um and the school basically picks which student they want to elevate the most that's i think really the purpose of AFIE is to is for the school to pick a student that they think or it's used to, to pick a student they think that can do the best with themselves in their situation with their with their school and how they can uplift others with their um new position um and i think i was like i should be that person and um 
the two other people that ran against me were really awesome people. Um, and I think hopefully they run again this time. But um, that's just kind of why I joined because I thought it would be impactful for me and for the, the this Kula in general because we were on a downslope. And I, I was thinking that how could we help um, this school, my school. But yeah. Do you have any thoughts you want to share, Trevor, about kind of over the years seeing different students going through this process? Yeah, I, I think they captured precisely why we created Ke'e Hawaii and continue to sustain it is because our small schools really don't have capacity to have a, offer a lot of student activities. And so, you know, most of our schools don't say like, we have a student council sign up. It's usually the student that has to bother one of the busy kumu to create a student council or even to address student issues. And it sounds like that's what Lilia is coming into the council for. Uh, we don't have mock trial or mock United Nations or mock legislature or, you know, any of these sorts of leadership opportunities that you would get at a private school or a large public school. And so Ke'e Hawaii is really kind of a, a big bucket for all the possible student activities that aren't happening at our tiny schools. And hopefully it's a model for other small schools out there that are not necessarily Hawaiian-focused charter schools uh, to offer these sorts of things because our number one reason for attrition uh, in my opinion and my my preliminary research is we just don't offer enough co-curricular activities a lot of people choose their secondary school their middle or high school based on the number or style of student activities that are offered and because our schools are not offering nice activities uh, we see a huge drop off in our population between eighth grade and ninth grade and also between sixth grade and, and seventh grade and so we're just trying to create these opportunities so that you can continue to go to a school that you love and still be able to participate in student activities that enrich your well-being. And I wonder if you could expand on that. And I'd be curious to hear both your perspective, Trevor, and also Heman Lainani as students of, I guess, yeah, just like how Hawaiian charter schools are doing right now. What's the state of, of charter schools? I kind of like to take this one first as in the internship that I'm in currently for my uh, senior project, I'm working with a representative Janae Capella, who is the vice chair for education. And in it, in that office, uh, she's supporting me in creating a bill for Hawaiian charter, Hawaiian focused charter schools, um, which technically isn't any different than a charter school, but it should be. And so that's kind of the focus around the bill. Um, and so uh, Hawaiian focused charter schools, um, while there, there is more than there was in the beginning, um, have always kind of been in an area where they've been pitted against a lot of people or where they've been in a struggle. Um, a lot of times, like, it'll help students reconnect to who they are. But in other times, because of, such, because of the, um, the stressful environment that many uh, of these schools are placed in, um, it can cause a kind of either hit or love it reaction with a lot of people that I've met, especially with the people that have left or stayed. It's either they really like the school or they just, oh, I hate this school. And so I think that's kind of where a lot of kids are when it comes to uh, these kinds of these charter schools is because um, they don't have all those activities and those, those things to do. And because they're kind of just left at school, it's either you, you become like one with the culture, I guess you could say, or you have to find those activities yourself outside of school. And, um, a lot of kids just don't do that. They either go to different school or that kind of stuff. Um, but I think currently we're on we're on a better track. At the very least, Hello Kumana is. Um, 
we're starting to get like we have buses now who bus students to go and play for Roosevelt and Kaimuki and stuff like that. Kaimana 72. Um, and um, we have um, a lot of college uh, do credit classes and that kind of stuff. And so it is going up. But it, that doesn't detract from the fact that um, a lot of our Hawaiian folk charter schools are really, you know, in a place where they should be elevated rather than where they are right now. Um, I would say on my point of view, as a student of a charter school, um, I would say that it's an opportunity, a great opportunity for kids to learn. Some people may be like, oh, no, charter school is this and that. Like they will have a negative opinion. And there is a negative opinion and a positive opinion. Um, But for me, uh, speaking about my school specifically, um, we've come a long way. Uh, It has grown and our school has increased by having like vehicles and buildings. Before we used to have tents and then now we evolved into actual buildings. And like how Hema said, there are more Hawaiian Hawaiian charter schools now, which in my opinion, that is a good thing because like... um, I'm kind of taking off of what you said because you basically said everything. Yeah, I feel that Hawaiian charter schools show Haumana who want to learn more about their culture, um, you know, things about their culture and stuff like that. It helps them and teaches Olala Hawaii, which Olala Hawaii is a language that is not really being spoken much. And to bring it back from when it was kapu before, to bring it back is also a very um, huge thing. And I really appreciate all of the Hawaiian charter schools that are using Olala Hawaii and Ike Olala Hawaii to showcase to the world. Mikai, mahalo. That was nice to hear. Ke'e Hawaii really gives us the opportunity to have our finger on the pulse of the Hawaiian Focus Charter School movement. And uh, it's changed so dramatically since we started. And as as these students were talking, I was thinking about our first few years, we were our, our biggest issue was, you know, lack of toilets and um, terrible teachers, you know, like having to hire people off the street that were not qualified to to be in front of students. And now we're talking about, you know, well, those things are fine and good. Now we want our share. We want equal funding. And uh, as much as we were pushing that back then, it was hard to focus on the bigger things because our facilities were so terrible. Many folks will know that the charter schools, uh, a lot of the charter schools launched Va'a or Hawaiian sailing canoes near the same time that they were started. And uh, very much as a part of that metaphor, our charter schools just started sailing without all of the pieces on board um, and without a campus back on land to go back to. And yet we're all still sailing in the same direction. Uh, we've kind of gotten through the, the really big issues like, okay, we don't, we didn't bring a mast. Okay. We don't, uh, we don't have enough food on board. We've kind of solved those big issues and now we're sailing and it's more about just dealing with the storms that come. Uh, one of the, I guess, biannual storms that we're facing right now is that uh, we are no longer charter schools. Charter is is a word to refer to an initial contract or an agreement with the state about what we will do. And about 10 years ago, 
the charter school commission was formed and they swapped out our charters for contracts. And so now we probably should be referred to as contract schools because every two years they change the game on us and change the expectations of what we need to do in order to get our funding. So we are not charter schools, although we're referred to it as such. Uh, we have to deal with a different storm every two or three years as we renegotiate this contract and redefine what our school is supposed to be doing. Uh, and I think that's probably the biggest obstacle for our principals right now. Um, and the carrot, of course, is the funding. And so uh, we're at a place where we can now survive and perhaps even thrive, but we have hard evidence that we're deliberately being discriminated against with the funding. It's not uh, a matter of misunderstanding. It's a matter of full understanding of what we are doing and deliberate discrimination against these schools because of what they stand for from the part of the legislature. And I, that's why there's KLIE. Uh, because like, like when we were on that trip, when we explained, if it was just Halakumana and just Hakipu'u and just Kamakawa and just them, we would be alone. Uh, but the point of Kehawaii is to unify us so that we're no longer just one school, two school. We can actually come together and participate united in, in, a, in a direction to help each other and so that we don't get picked off, you know, so that one of us doesn't just fly away in the storm. Um, and it's difficult when we're in, under conditions like that, those contracts and and all those those squeezing methods but you know it's important that we still stick by who we are and try to um encourage ourselves to continue yeah great point Hema. thanks for for mentioning that um and i guess i've been curious uh to just hear more about what that experience is like of being able to come together with different schools on different islands. I wonder, you know, just what does that look like? How, how frequently do you get to engage with each other? Um, what does it feel like when you do? It's loud. <laughs> yeah. uh, and there, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of jokes and playing cards. That's for sure. Ali Leo, you go ahead. Um, for me, since this is my first year of doing KL, um, it was very interesting. It was such an interesting experience to actually get to meet up with other Haumana from other Kula and see their perspective on their Kula side. Um, and it was also very interesting to see that they, they, they too need help with their Kula and is pretty similar to ours. We all came up with the almost the same idea and the same um, things. But yeah, my perspective on... Um, my first year of doing this and stuff like that and hooing up with a lot of these kids, it was very exciting and interesting to make friends and learn more about their backgrounds and stuff like that and figure out a solution on how we can um, help them. Uh, for me, I, we, we, in the past when I was younger, we were able to like have makaikis with like hakipu'u Kamakal and some of them. And so I was able to see some of their school and what they did. And I think we always are like, oh, I think a lot of times our charter schools sometimes like think of themselves as like alone, like, oh, we're just here. Uh, but really, like uh, when th what that trip taught me when we went to Hawaii with uh, whichever was that we're really not that different, even though we may have different campuses or maybe we might be farther ahead on the trail or on the navigational path. We're all very similar and we don't 
I think it's it's because of who we are and what we're trying to achieve is why we're so similar and why we can call each other, um, you know, brother and sister charter schools um, and why we're under the same organization. Uh, because when we're together camping or whatnot, it, it, we're playing cards together. We're hooking Kahlo together. We're swimming in the stream together. We're doing the stuff together because we have something that is together, right? And so I think that's really important. And that's one of the keystones. We had one of our alumni, two of our alumni uh, join us this past summer. And they brought up the, the awkward bus rides at the beginning of Ke'ea Hawaii, where, you know, these schools had never met. Nobody had any connection with anybody at so-and-so's school. I've never heard of anybody. I don't even know where your school is. And it was super quiet and awkward on the, the bus rides to our, our venues. This summer, it was just like immediate, uh, okay, let's play this song and we're all going to sing along. Okay, what else do we know together? Okay, I'm busting out the ukulele. Uh, what's going on with Red Hill? What's going on with Mauna Kea? Um, have you heard that new song by so-and-so? Like the level of unity between these 17 schools is there's a reason why the legislature is scared is because we have created an educational system that has air, right? We call it air education, um, edu you know, sovereign indigenous controlled education system that cannot be killed by, by taking out one school. I, I, going back to something we talked about earlier, I just want to give a shout out to Halalokahi, uh, a school that was there when we formed and represented exactly why we formed was to make sure that, like Hema said, schools don't get picked off um, for, for small things uh, by the commission. And right as we were forming, Halalokahi was being shut down and we just simply weren't powerful enough to speak up for them at that time. Uh, but I like to bring up the story of Halalokahi so that we remember that, it, that they, they have done that before and we will need to stand before we lose another charter school because every single one of our communities needs these schools. Yeah, thank you for, for mentioning that. And I wonder if you could, because we've talked, I guess, a fair amount about some of these obstacles and some of these difficulties, if you could expand on on um on this value right on on this a education could you just uh speak more about what it is that the hawaiian charter schools are moving towards what that goal is and and this value um that you're finding in it i think we're normalizing we're normalizing what it means to learn hawaiian things uh you know just a few years of, in fact one of, one of our best indicators is what Kamehameha Schools is doing. You know, just 10 years ago, Kamehameha Schools was not necessarily doing a whole lot of pule, not necessarily, had, hadn't used the word kilo, uh, and wasn't necessarily a safe place for Olelo Hawaii. And just in the past 10 years, they've sort of made a move to try and catch up. And now Kamehameha Schools, it's a safe place place in, in many corners of it to Olelo Hawaii and to learn Hawaiian things because they didn't want to get left behind. And that's education. We're not just concerned with our own schools, but just making the whole Pai Aina, the whole archipelago, a safe place for Hawaiian language. 
a safe place for uh, Hawaiian thinking, Hawaiian music, Hawaiian games, Hawaiian arts and crafts, and just making that feel like it's normal because it was and it should be. Yeah, I agree. And like um, coming from, so I, I, sh- uh, it's funny because I didn't realize I was actually have been in charter schools my whole life. Um, Wailai is a charter school, right? I didn't realize that. But uh, going in from Wailai uh, uh, Elementary School, um, it, it, you know, seeing what they would use for Hawaiian culture, like what they had, which was, a, which was one class for hula. And it was very it was very bare bones. I mean, we thought we were super cultural and everything. But. You know, doing that and maybe doing like an, uh, a, a hula for for the um, May days, lay day, right? Um, to Halo Kumana, in which the culture is the school, like you are part of it. It's a facet of everything you do when you come into when you go into the classroom, when you go out of the classroom, that kind of stuff. And at some point, it doesn't really feel like a chore anymore. It's just kind of what you do. It's just what you do. And I think. Like what uh, Trevor said about normalizing it, we're uh, we're creating a space in which people are okay and not uncomfortable with the place they live in, with like the Hawaiian culture, right? Because even like sometimes, like I've seen it on people's faces too, like like young Kanako, they'll be like, "Oh, that sounds kind of weird. I don't like to do ummies, and I don't like to do this and this and that," and they'll start to criticize their own culture. Uh, but when you're surrounded by it, and when you're immersed by it, you no longer feel ashamed by buy it and you can then be empowering you can then empower yourself and empower others with what you learn at the school and what you teach yourself um and like what kumu said like that hawaiian is cool now right in in kamehameha i went to punahou one time i saw kumu something i was blown away right um that that actually is something that they're doing and so i i think maybe it wasn't exactly because of us but i do think that us being exist, us being and us existing, is moving that little arm towards um, more immersion inside the inside the dominant culture. I, I had a, I, I wanted to say a little bit more. When it comes to normalizing Hawaiian culture-based education, we if if you're kind of on the outside of this movement, then you might think like having more. Hawaiian culture days, because that's kind of how it starts out in, in public schools where you have like a May day, uh, maybe a, a, a week where it's safe to do Hawaiian things or like a class, like a hula class or an olelo class. But what we're talking about is something completely different. Okay. Culture is not something that you do in a period or on a day. Culture is what you do every day. Okay. For example, brushing your teeth twice a day is part of our culture now. Uh, taking a shower before you go to bed is culture in Hawaii, which is very, very different because in America, they shower after they sleep in their bed, which we find very, very peculiar, right? So culture is the things that we think are normal that other people think are strange. For example, a bell schedule, having a bell ring and go to class, that is cultural. Uh, taking a holiday for Thanksgiving and calling it Christmas break or winter break, even though we don't experience a winter, we experience a wet season, that is cultural. All of the things that we do without thinking, the way that we greet our teachers, the way that we start our day in the morning, whether it's sit in your chair and do your homework, or whether it's let's all go outside, make a circle and chant, 
those are totally different cultural paradigms. And what we're trying to do is normalize what we do. The special thing that is that almost like a scientific experiment, we all created these schools in, in 17 different communities and they're all co-evolving together to do almost the same thing without even necessarily cross-pollinating very much. We're all coming to the same conclusions about where we want to go. And that's why I say we're all still sailing to the same island uh, and it's working. Yeah, Mahalo, that's a really great description um, to, you know, clarify what it what it is that you're trying to do. Um, I have a, I guess, a sidestep kind of question, but I'm curious to hear from Leinani and Hema about, um, you know, what are the kinds of student issues or student activities or projects that you've been able to take leadership on in your positions with Ke'a Hawaii? And um, yeah, if you could just share maybe like your favorite, like initiative that you got to work on or anything like that. We haven't really started anything yet because it's still a little bit earlier in the year. But um, I would say um, being able to take leadership on starting an election for the first time for Kawaikini for a KL representative was interesting. And also um, planning things with um, actually having a halavai with my po'okumu and um other Kumu as well, um, talking about our goals that we're trying to reach for Ke'a. So holding our, my main goal was to hold a, con- like a conference. So we're still in the process of doing that, but it is getting there. Um, so having to take leadership on that as well was also very nerve wracking because I never did do that before, but you really do learn a lot of things becoming a leader. I think for me, so I actually did reach out to, so the committee and the placement that I wanted to do was I wanted to create uh, Aino Workdays with other with other schools, or not even so much Aino Workdays, but just meeting up with other schools and doing stuff with them. Um, I mean, there was an opportunity to do that a little bit ago. It did kind of fall through due to some uh, Kumu planning and stuff like that. But... Um, I was able to reach out to Kamaile and our Pookum was very enthused that we wanted to do that and said that she would get us a bus for it, uh, which is a lot of money. And so she's like, she, she was like, I'll do it. And then she was like, oh, wait, uh, not everything's through. So we got to put that off. But um, that was one of the big plans for other schools inside the school, though. I think what I've done more is so like our Oli was very bad in the beginning of the year because people would come out of COVID and Honestly, bullying on a Zoom meeting is not the best. And so um, we had to like relearn, even ourselves had to relearn and reteach ourselves how to do these things or how to present ourselves strongly and, and with strength with mana. And I think we're, we're definitely getting there from what it used to be from like people like eh, to like where now everybody knows all the basic chants. Everybody can do them well. And in the morning, it's strong, right? I think like making sure that our school is becoming more cohesive is one of the main goals for me, at least inside the school. And that just kind of takes daily work. Um, and I think also like I've become more the default person who gives announcement when it, announcements when it comes to like, there's an opportunity to like, Hey, sign up for this cooking competition. Hey, sign up for this, sign up for that. Do this, do that because it is something that can help us and, and give importance to the people around us. 
But yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll, I have to get reinvested back into like working with our other schools into communicating with each other. But for sure, I know that later on in the year when Makaiki rolls around and when um, the legislature when the legislature opens, um, there will be a lot of um, action going on. Yeah, thank you for sharing those things. That's exciting to hear. I'm curious to hear if you could just say more about um, some of your goals for this year, some of your vision. Uh, Lenani, you, you mentioned this conference that's kind of in the early stages, but sounds really exciting. Could you, you know, expand on that? Yeah. Um, so this conference that we're planning, we are planning on either having a virtual meeting with all the school reps and one other student, possibly if it could happen, one other student uh, come together in the virtual or in-person meeting in Oahu for at least, I would say, two days if it was in person, um, two to three days. And basically that whole thing is to um, build Pilina with each other, just like how we did when we camped out in Big Island. Um, we build Pilina with each other and then we talk to each other about issues that are going on within each school um, and try and figure out what can our school do to help their school and what can their school do to help our school. So yeah, that conference is slowly building up. We do have Manao and stuff like that on it to support that Manao. And yeah, we're in the process of doing that. And for me, um, I actually did make plans to meet up with um, our school. So my partner school would be Kamaile, and I have to reach out to some other schools to make sure they're doing the same as well. And, you know, there are some complications uh, when it comes to visiting a school in Waianae when you're in Makiki and how that would facilitate. But I think if we could even just get a, a brief meetup or even a virtual meetup between us and them and and, and help them on their road, um, we don't even have to particularly pick up leads with them, but just to like make sure that they know who we are and that we know who they are and allow them to be prepared for when we do see each other, for example, on Ka'oahu Makaiki, which is what really they were interested in, in being helped on. Uh, because um, what I did learn actually was um, there's even even if it's even if uh, Kamale has themselves as a fine focus charter school, um, there's still a lot of uh, charter schools like ours that don't actually have a lot to their name. And it's not because they don't want to, but because those things are hard to get. And so for them, they just recently started investing a lot of resources into the Olelo program and in, into their cultural programs. And so that's actually what they wanted us to help them with, to, to give them an idea of like, what Oli's will we do for Mahiki? What games are expected of us? You know, like, what are the protocols? They didn't know that. And I think it's all, it's a sign of saying that like, even us um, as Hawaiian Focus Charter Schools have our own flaws and have our own things that we need to work on. And us being together would allow each other to grow um, unified. Oh, and uh, goals, um, get everyone to the legislature when it opens and to at least have a portion of Holocaust testify on some stuff because that's important. Yeah, it's, it's inspiring to hear. Um, how can people listening to this support you folks, support your schools, um, you know, if they're, if, whether they're folks in your communities or just, you know, thinking across Hawaii? Um, what can people do to support, um, support the Hawaiian Focus Charter Schools to support Kea Hawaii? 
How many can take this one real quick? <laughs> I think whichever should <laughs> add on this after I get my man out because he's um, done a lot. He's done a lot. He's been here since the, the dinosaurs. So he definitely knows uh, how, how this stuff works and how to gain uh, accreditation for this kind of stuff. But um, honestly, I think uh, it's hard because I'm not going to send your kids here. Like, I, think, I don't want to just like like yell everybody to you know give us your children but i think um <laughs> but I, I think honest i think honestly when it comes to um bills and, and, and opinions uh towards charter schools um advocating for our success i think is definitely one of the biggest things right when it comes to education and when it comes to those fields pushing for a more INA-based understanding and when and pushing for a more AL-based understanding, like understanding that this place has its own unique life and history and ensuring that even if you're not a charter school that you understand that, I think is really important because that's a message that we're trying to you know, uh, propagate. Um, ensuring that the people that you're pushing out and the person you're becoming um, is one that is invested in the place that we are that we are in right now um, because that's that's what Halokuma and a lot of the charter schools teach. They teach investment in the Aina. And so if you if you or your co-workers or your children or your uncle and auntie or your grandma and grandpa can become invested in the place they are in, they'll have more aloha and have stakes in that place to thrive, right? Because you, you wouldn't yeah, it would suck to see something that you work so hard on to uh, uh, flourish die. So it makes um, it makes people more invested in Hawaii rather than just themselves. Um, and I think whether you're in a charter school or not, that's kind of the point of what we're trying to get at. We're trying to make we're trying to create a, a source of people that are invested in Hawaii as much as we are. Um, and so, you know. Uh, aside from like donating and fundraising for us, that's kind of like the best way to achieve the end goal of our schools. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beside the donating and fundraising, mahalo hema, um, I would say in a way to not only help us, but to help them as well, in my opinion, is to just understand their culture and their backgrounds more. So, yeah, like they don't have to come to Kawaikini. They don't have to send anybody to Kawaikini or to any other contract schools. <laughs> um, but I would like for them to understand more of their culture and where they come from. And um, Kalama, I forgot her, that Vahina's name that we talked to at Pu'uluhulu. Uh, but um, to understand our Aina and to find something that our aina and find victory in our aina and our background. Antipokes. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's what I want. Um, in my opinion, that is what will help us and help our community and help uh, contract schools. Um, the fact that more people can just understand instead of us feeling like, oh, we're the only ones that are getting attached to our um, Hawaiian culture and stuff like that and learning more about this and that other than like other people. I want other people to know more and learn more about 
their background and find victory in their background. Well said. Uh, I heard the question as uh, how do we support, how does everybody support Hawaiian Focus Charter Schools? Vote. Vote for people that support Hawaiian Focus Charter Schools, Hawaiian education, and just education in general. There's very few legislators with any experience in education. And uh, even if you're you're too radical to participate in the American and, and state democracy system, by, by voting for folks, you move the line towards more radical. So you seem less radical. Uh, there's a lot of people in our movement that don't want to participate in city, county, state, or federal government. Um, but if we can continue to have people in there that look like us and think like us and act like us, then we can continue to push the envelope further. And that's exactly how other countries have decolonized and, and deoccupied. The Baltic states got away from Russia by at first violently protesting against the Russian government and then later infiltrating the government. And so it's a perfectly viable way that works in order to achieve air is to vote. I also agree, uh, enroll your child or, or sit on our wait list and then make a decision when your name gets called. Uh, the longer our wait lists are, the more pressure there is uh, to either open up more schools or to be more supportive of our schools. And finally, uh, if you have an opportunity to promote us, whether you see us doing something beautiful in the street or doing something beautiful in social media, announce it to your circle and let them know that, you know, we're doing good things. We're, we are educational institutions. We are not, you know, radical think tanks that are trying to uh, annihilate the system. We're, we're simply trying to educate our children the way that our grandparents were educated. Mahalo to you all. This has been such a thought-provoking conversation. It's been really good chatting with you all today. So thank you for making the time. Mahalo noe. Mahalo noe. Thank you for your thoughtful questions. It's amazing that uh, it seems like you have a very good idea of what we do. And yet you've interviewed so many other folks about the things that they're doing in those other communities. And so we just really appreciate being uh, a slice of this uh, tasty pie you're cooking up. <laughs> yes. Hawaii Rising is a podcast from the Hawaii People's Fund produced by me. And me. With additional support from... Mickey! Our theme music is Revolutionary from the band Ukla the Mock, written and sung by Mickey Hui Hui. A big thank you to our community supporters and to you, our audience, for listening. Ahui ho! Dim spend and done.